This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 7.35 a.m. You are listening to The Morning Run on Thursday, the 23rd of February. I'm Shazana with Shaoning and Jen Sun. In half an hour, we have some pretty special guests on The Breakfast Grill today. Yeah, we have two newbie MPs. We have Shalina Abdul-Rashid. She's the MP for Bukit Bandera. And Lee Chiang-Chong, he is the MP for Petaling Jaya. So for many of our listeners, he is your representative in Parliament. So as we approach the first 100 days of the this administration. I'm going to sit down with them and ask them about their reflections since, you know, is Parliament what they t- what they expected, albeit they were all aduns before. I'm going to talk about the challenges of running a constituency. What's it like working with what used to be arch rivals and enemies because they're all in the same government now? And are they preparing themselves for the upcoming state elections? All right. Lots of interesting points to discuss there. Stay tuned to the Breakfast Grill after the 8am news bulletin. We're turning our attention though up north to Hong Kong. Yesterday, Hong Kong's finance chief Paul Chan revealed the latest budget blueprint with the goal to boost recovery uh, momentum post-pandemic. One of the headline initiatives include another round of consumption vouchers albeit less than previous years. Eligible residents will get 5000 Hong Kong dollars this time around. Other stimulus included a proposal to lower the tax rate for first-time buyers of property worth 9 million Hong Kong dollars or less and a reduction in the cap on its salaries tax rebate to 6000 Hong Kong dollars from 10000 Hong Kong dollars. The government is also expecting a GDP growth of 5.5% for 2023 and an average growth of 3.7% annually till 2027. However, the finance minister did earlier say that the city still had to boost future investment and strengthen economic recovery after accumulating a fairly high fiscal deficit over the past three years. So, did this budget hit the mark in addressing the needs of Hong Kongers who have had a very rough two years of lockdown and economic slowdown? What were also the key issues in this budget? For more on this, we have on the line with us Gary Ung, APAC economist with Natixis. Gary, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Let's first get your broad impressions of the budget. Did it come largely in line with your expectations? Well, good morning, everyone. I think the answer to this question is really yes and no. I think from the yes perspective, I think the government has probably done the uh, right job in terms of uh, uh, still maintaining some of this counter-cyclical uh, policy, for example, the consumption voucher, the extension of uh, to a certain degree in the tax allowance, and also the subsidies on electricity and transport. Because if we look at the economic situation, actually, even though the jobless rate has uh, well fallen back to around three percent, which is the pre-pandemic level. But we cannot forget that actually 4.5% of the working population has left in Hong Kong. So the 3% we see nowadays is not really the 3% we see uh, three years ago. So the pressure is here. At the same time, I think the government is also stepping up a little bit more on uh, you know the, the development of different industries such as finance, technology, and also the uh, green sector as well. But on the other hand, I do think the government is a bit too optimistic in terms of its growth pro- projection. 35 to 5.5% seems to be a bit, uh, you know, uh, quite aggressive in a certain sense. I think it's more likely to achieve a 3 to 4% range. And Gary, the government has dished out yet another round of consumer vouchers, as you mentioned, to all Hong Kong adults. Will this third round of handouts be effective in spurring domestic demand? 
Well, I think um, for this time around, the impact may be a bit more, uh, you know, uh, bigger in terms of the uh, people's um, uh, living course or burden rather than from the broad economic perspective. First, of course, the size is uh, smaller. Second, I think because uh, a lot of residents has turned a bit uh, conservative um, in terms of spending and try to uh, accumulate more saving in recent years because of what is uh, happening in the government policies due to the anti-pandemic um, uh, uh, era. So I think uh, it takes time to actually change change this sentiment. And also because the government is handing out this consumption voucher in you know a small uh, pieces in two rounds of a uh, different um, uh, time within a year. So this immediate impact may not be be that huge to the uh, retail um, industry, which basically means that people may uh, simply uh, uh, spend this money into the uh, usual daily expense. Or if people decide to travel, then uh, it will only displace some of the original um, uh, like expense in Hong Kong. So um, it's still a good initiative, but uh, it may not provide such a big boost to the uh, consumption sector. Meanwhile, Gary, I've been reading that critics say that this is a rather inward-looking budget and doesn't address... Um, how Hong Kong can avoid being overtaken by Singapore as a top destination for business and talent and capital. But this is really due to the fact over Hong Kong's fiscal position, which has really deteriorated. Um, well, I think um, first, um, if we look at it from the macroeconomic perspective, there are a few things that has changed that Hong Kong cannot control. First, um, we see a decelerating uh, Chinese economic uh, situation in the longer term growth. And at the same time, if you look at ASEAN and India, the growth is actually uh, accelerating. So for Hong Kong, it's really a question of how to position itself in the future. But of course, from the fiscal perspective, if Hong Kong hasn't really spent that much resources into all this COVID-related expense in the last three years, then uh, it would have more money to spend on enhancing the competitiveness uh, with other uh, peers in the region, such as um, Singapore. So definitely, I would still think the fiscal position is one of the drag that Hong Kong uh, uh, would face uh, in the future. But sadly, so uh, we haven't really seen a very strong initiative from the government in terms of uh, addressing this type of competitiveness or also the talent outflow. Uh, issue because the only new scheme that we see in the um, budget is really this investment scheme to attract uh, capital back to Hong Kong. But there's not really anything that is very, you know, uh, uh, solid in terms of attracting talents to Hong Kong and also retaining uh, residents itself. And uh, we, I mean, I, I think Financial Secretary Paul Chan did say that um, Hong Kong will reveal an enhanced proposal in mid-March on guidelines, which will indicate whether companies making gains from selling equity interests are subject to tax. I mean, is this uh, is this is, is this a possible corporate capital tax uh, gain tax on the on the table? Well, I think um, for for this type of tax, it may be a bit hard for Hong Kong to increase further from the uh, public trading or the uh, basically the stock market perspective. But on the other hand, if we are talking about some private deals for M and A, uh, basically the um, well buying and selling of other type of equities, they maybe that is a bit easier to push through. But I still think that well, first I think the government is trying to find every means to actually close this uh, fiscal gap because we are looking at. Um, like around 7.3% of GDP uh, fiscal deficit if we exclude any bonds the government may have uh, uh, basically uh, issued. So this is indeed a big problem. But on the other hand, I think uh, the government will also be quite careful in terms of, uh, you know, um, changing all this tax because it may hurt the attractiveness of Hong Kong amid this, uh, you know, quite a challenging time. But I, I do think that, um, well, it's probably one of the options the government have on the table. Mm. And Gary, moving over to China, are we seeing economic recovery picking up after its reopening and the extended Lunar New Year holidays? 
Well, I think um, during the Lunar New Year holiday, indeed, there's some rebound in uh, consumption. However, we still haven't seen a uh, full recovery in terms of traveler or, or in terms of spending because of um, well, what is happening during the COVID, of course. And again, it takes time to actually recover to a more uh, normal level. I think the underlying problem is that um, in China, there are a lot of people trying to uh, save more because they're not quite certain about what is happening in the future. And also because of all these regulatory changes in the last two years. So things are improving, but it may not be as quick as many um, may have expected. So I think the pace will actually accelerate in Q2 this year. And for full year, I think it's still quite late to see a 5.5% um, uh, um, basically uh, economic growth. But the key challenge is not this year because uh, it's pretty sure that there will be a cyclical rebound. But it's really about whether, you know, from 2024 onwards, uh, the structural economic growth situation will decelerate. And I think this is also quite likely to happen given the aging population. Gary, thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Gary Ng, APEC economist with Netixis, giving us the highlights from Hong Kong's 2023-2024 budget, as well as uh, some projections for how China's economy could fare this year, mentioning there that it's really not 2023 that's the concern, but what's going to happen 2024 and beyond if structural economic issues aren't dealt with. Yeah, for sure. But this year will be good, right? It comes from a very low base. They've just reopened the borders. There will be some revenge spending, revenge traveling. But whether there will translate to a better 2024 question marks. I think the, the GDP forecasts, I've seen even you know investment banks, Goldman Sachs, raise it to 6.5%. But beyond that, um, but definitely China is the place that a lot of strategists have started to say, you know, it's going to be a market that's going to outperform this year. Yeah, I think the issue of migration out of the country also has to be looked at. I was watching this documentary recently on how Hong Kongers are increasingly applying more for the British National Overseas Visa Program since it was announced in July of 2020, and it offers a path to British citizenship. So besides the protests in Hong Kong and the national security laws enacted by China in 2020, which was a push factor, I think some of the Hong Kongers cited the education system in Hong Kong, which was deemed backward and they worried for their future of their children. So Hong Kongers on one end, but then also expats on the other, right? Because Hong Kong has been such a city, you know, for expats and foreign talent. Mm. They are also leaving the island state, uh, yeah. island city. So what it was going to happen moving forward? Okay, so there's this fight, right? Not just a uh, fight for talent. There's a fight for capital. And that talent is both local and foreign. And guess what? Everybody wants the same thing, right? Be it Singapore, be it Hong Kong, even, even here in Malaysia. So it's going to be interesting. Actually, for us, come this Friday, what are we going to do to attract those three things? Speaking of that, we are going to be discussing exactly that after this quick break with Daniel Bernbeck of the Malaysia German Chamber of Commerce and Industry. What are the initiatives that the government should consider to spur FDI? Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.